you're in a in a crack house room mm -hmm. in a furry costume holding a bear head. And he goes, nah, you ain't going back upstairs. Get out of here now. Shove me out the door. Hi, this is Howie Mandel Does Stuff. I'm Howie Mandel, and my co-host is Jacqueline Schultz. Nice. Not here. Pardon me? Oh. Yeah. Oh, she got a hamster. Guess she had something better to do. A hamster. A hamster? Yes. That's why? Yes, and Big J Ogerson. Is it sick? Hmm? Is this hamster sick? Oh, I don't know. She just has to be home with it? Well, I don't know that they're home. I know that she's with it. I don't know that. The, I don't know where she is. But she, she's just with hamster, not here. Is the I only said fact. Big J's coming in, and she said I'm with the hamster. And I said, "What well, we're doing a podcast?" And she said, "I'm with the hamster." I wish I could tell you it's the first time I've heard that. Been ditched for a hamster. How many times? Fifteen. Wow, you're a funny man. You're a funny man, and uh, I didn't realize that I had met you before. Yeah, Brie said we briefly at a, a brunch place. restaurant. Brunch? Yeah. Well, it was a, yeah, eggs. Uh, some, Expectation. In, in Montreal, you were at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, and we were just talking about how, uh, we were talking about Robbie Pra, who is the guy that kind of put um, Netflix on the map for stand-up comedy. Yeah. Right? His first big deal was Chappelle. Yeah. And and uh, he booked you at something called the Nasty Show. Yeah, yeah. Nasty a, Show in Montreal. Yeah. Which I got to host last year, which was amazing. Uh, that was a cool, real nice honor. Right. To do that. Yeah, that festival is such a, it's so funny. You have your own festival. We do. We do our festival, Skank Fest. Uh, it's happening this September. In Vegas, right? In Vegas again, yeah. Yeah. And what is the venue? It's called Notoriety. It's a, uh, it's an old multiplex that shut down. Right. And so we were able to take it. Now they ran it out as an event space, and we just use it. So we have like six rooms to. But you sell out, right? Yeah. How many years have you been doing that? Um, this will be our seventh, I believe, seventh or sixth or seventh. Wow. I think, yeah, we did it three, three or four in New York, one in Houston, and then now the second one's going to happen in Vegas. And who do you have there? I mean, I, I, I know the people that you kind of travel with. It's all over the place. Shane have, Gillis, uh, Mark Norman. Yeah, Staples. Uh, Those wow. guys are Staples of being there all the time. Uh, and then what's fun is to get people a little outside of the box, you know, for the years. That what's are outside of the box? For that show like people that would be afraid to come do it i think like uh but they ended up coming and having a great time louis ck most famously was the thing after when he first came back it was actually was a pretty viral moment on the internet like he decided he came to the skank fest in new york and was just watching and when david tell went on right he got the itch and right went on there and like it was his first time back in like a while and i think it was his first set back in the states and he went on stage in the place. It was like a minute of just people going nuts, like uh, loving him. You're close to, are you close to Louis C.K.? You, 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 I know you were on his show. On yeah, his it's funny. Show. No, not really close, but he's always been great to me in that regard. Yeah, he put me on a show a couple times with no audition. Uh, I'm a terrible auditioner. I've gotten one thing ever from an audition. He used to be, uh, he opened for me. Really? On the road, yeah. And years ago, I used him. He was a great, well, he still is a great filmmaker, but he made these amazing little short films. Louis, and, oh, yeah, he's just a brilliant guy. He is. But now around. he's back bigger than ever. And you guys are kind of doing, you are doing, you have, uh, in April, you have a new special coming out, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. April 5th? Yeah, yeah, we filmed it at Skankfest. And it's, uh, what's it called? It's called Dog Belly. 
dog belly. And you are of this new ilk, which I, I love, of uh, comics who are kind of vying, away, uh, leaning away from Netflix or cable and putting these uh, these shows on YouTube and just kicking ass. Ari, who uh, did your, isn't he yeah. producing this? Did yeah, produce yeah, it? yeah. He executive, one of the executive Shafir. producers. Shafir. It. it was great. As an executive producer, what did he do? Everything, because I am, almost everything in my career that's been business like moves have been through Ari Shafir. He's helped me in that regard more. As far as like comedically, I was lucky to have mentors like Patrice and Dave Attell who took me on the road for a decade opening for him and everything. But Ari was the guy who was like, why do you not have an internet presence? You know, this is about 10 years ago. Why do you not have an agent? How do you not have an agent now? And he kind of got me those things through his advice and like helping me out. And same when he finished doing his special Jew, which is amazing. It is amazing. We had him on here and we promoted it. And when I talked to him, it, it had only been out for like a week and it had like 4 million clicks in yeah. the first week. It's probably double that now. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And uh, so as soon as he was finished that, you know, he's like, we got to do yours. And, you know, here's the people to use. use Did you put up the money? Director. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the f most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. <laughs> Did you spend a lot of money? Yeah. Hundreds of thousands? Not hundreds of thousands, no, but close to a hundred thousand for sure. Which is a lot of money to put, you know, when I got into the business, which is another, like a century ago, the, the you know, nobody, nobody I know ever paid for anything that, you know, you get paid. Yeah, yeah. And now you guys are like putting up the money, betting on yourselves and just cashing in. Well, the industry sort of dictated that because, and that was funny, all the years I opened for Dave Attell, how he'd call me, you know, and say, hey, do you want to open for me in Cleveland again? And I'd say, yeah, let's, you know, let's go. And then he'd go, how are you not headlining there yet? Like, you've been there with me seven times or whatever. How, and I'd say, I want, he didn't get that he came from a time, which you probably know too, it was basically as a comic, when you had an hour of material, then you went on the road and like clubs right. would book you on the road. And, What's the difference? And you would sell, now you can't even, I, I remember, by the end there, I was saying like, hey, I'll do Thanksgiving weekend or 4th of July, I'll do the shittiest weekend you have. And they were just like, if you can't put asses in seats, like they're not, they have no interest. So they'd rather pay more money to somebody who's gonna fill the place for sure then. So it kind of, it knocked that level of it out. So you had to do it yourself. And you started doing podcasting like in the 15, like 14, like 2015, 2016. Oh no, the podcast started in 2010. Wow. That we started, yeah. So there weren't, then, I didn't even know, I wouldn't know what a podcast was in 2010. Oh, it was very, very new. Yeah, yeah, my buddy Lewis, uh, Jay Gomez, who's, he's actually the brain. Uh, Who created brain, his own the, network, he's right? a, Well, yeah, it's the network and the pot and the festival and everything. It's kind of his uh, brainchild putting that together. But he was, you know, they were my buddies. And I, I was doing comedy longer than him and Dave. My other partner, Dave. Were Smith. you doing comedy uh, while you were still? I, I know you were a, like a limo driver. Or you drove strippers around. It wasn't a limo. It was just my shitty Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so that's a limo for a stripper. Sure, sure. Especially if they're a stripper slash escort, they're just happy to be on on wheels. How do you get? How do you get into that? How does one get into that? It was a friend told me that his girlfriend's dad runs this company and they need drivers for it. And I was like, yeah, I'm a big guy, like I'll do it. It's not a job for a big guy, it's a job for somebody with a gun. 
and I did not have that. It's a very scary job. Oh, you didn't know? You didn't know what you... I was insecure fat kid who was like at 18, 19 years old, they were like, you're gonna go with a stripper and then she's gonna get naked and then you drive her home. And I, from the very first time I did it, I was like, oh, it's not like you're gonna hook up with strippers or anything. You're the person who's gonna listen to the saddest story ever while they drive home. What was to g give me an example. Give me an, uh, an Oh, example. just like the- The first time the, you the, did the it. The very first time I did it. <clears throat> Beautiful girl. I remember her real name, but her stripper name was Candace. And that wasn't was, real. No, nope. And she was uh, gorgeous. And I remember going. How old? To the thing with her in her twenties, I'd say. Going to college? Did no. she say? No. One stripper ever that I drove was genuinely doing the putting herself through med school at University of Pennsylvania, and I believe her because she was while she was the most timid. Tame stripper. She didn't uh, fuck for money. She didn't do any of that. She just, just stripped, and uh, no extra stuff. And she was because of that firm that she was the most difficult person to. I guess where the most people get more upset, you know. And it's today like, she's your dermatologist. And now, yeah, and now an esthetician more. Oh, okay. but uh, so tell me the first times. So go so ahead. she uh, well, this that girl wasn't a very good. This girl, uh, I was so enamored with how pretty she was. And we went to this, I think it was like an auto body garage for a bachelor party or something, and she danced. And she did Do you walk thing. in with her? So mm -hmm. you, you... I have to stand there and like make sure no one does anything she doesn't want. And in the car on the way there, how do you know what she doesn't want? Like, is, is that an open discussion? I'm going to yeah. dance for them. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to touch my tits, mm -hmm. but if anybody inserts a finger... Like, yeah. tell me what, what is said. Hop over. I mean, sort of something like that. She'll give you, like, her thing pretty quick. And then I also I'd end up driving the same girls. No, but I'm talking about the I first day. Oh, the very first time? I don't think she really said much of anything. It was like she but, went there, but she didn't need it because what she did, what I was impressed by, and I think because I thought she was so pretty, how she controlled the room. And she did something that uh, she did a, tri or a trick or some part of her show where she goes, all right, guys. $5 bills, $10 bills, and $20 bills. For $5, she rolls it up and inserts it into herself a little bit. Right. And keeping, I'm trying to think how to describe but keeping her fingers kind of over it. You know what I mean? So it's like her fingers, her vagina, her fingers, and the money sticking out of it. Right. For, for $5. For $5. For $10, okay. she puts it in a little bit further. And for $20, she puts it in a little bit further. And, you, and, and the guy goes down and you could take it out with your teeth. See, for me, putting cash in your mouth is a problem. Or cash. your pussy. <laughs> it's also no, 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 that's not a problem. But I'm just saying, just putting my mouth, I don't even carry cash because I don't want to touch it. Sure. No, no, if you have germ issues, it's definitely not the... Uh... So what I'm saying, you're a young man, how old are you at this time? At this time, I'm 19 maybe. Okay, so you're 19. What have you done before this? Babysat my brother and sisters. Okay. And so you're a babysitter. Yeah, yeah. And then you just took it to the next level. The next level of babysitting. Yeah, for your friend's uh, parents. You, <laughs> yeah. you got a job with your friend's parents. You're a babysitter. You get a job with your friend's parents. And let's just say Candace was her name, mm -hmm. her fake name. Candace gets in the car. You're going to drive her to a bachelor party at an auto body shop. Yep. She says to you, you will come in with me. How do you know before you walk in what the line is that you're... I didn't own her at all. I, I completely blind to it. 
the, so but she, she says come in did you even know that you were supposed to come in yeah, and yeah. watch the show yeah the guy told me that and then the guy i said i found it very quickly i was like hey what if this goes haywire ever and he was like yeah well you need a gun and i was like oh, i don't have a gun and he was like do you want a gun i was like no i don't want a gun because I, I think i panic more with that uh, in any situation so i kind of just always try to do it with like uh almost like comedically like charm them and be nice oh. rem remind them that their credit card is on file if oh, they do anything yeah. crazy oh that's you know so I tried, you, you, I tried you, it with more reason than like you know it's like all right guys that's you know trying to wrangle up 15 horny guys is not a smart move yeah but so she you, she does that trick for the uh ten dollars five dollars twenty dollars well, I'm a talent judge. Here's why and it's I'm a just trick. okay. Just, here's uh, why it's a to trick. To me, that it's not magic. Like I know I can see why it disappeared. But you'll be. What's interesting about it? I thought every guy did twenty dollars, every guy, and mm -hmm. she made a ton of money on that. And but the thing is, she's always keeping her fingers, holding it in there. Right. So you're never getting close. The idea is the more you pay, the closer you're getting, to her pussy. But you oh. never get clo You can never get closer than her fingers on it. But every guy just goes. Well, I want to do like the closest one. So they give the twenty dollars. And more than thinking that's like a great scam, I was just I was so enamored with her. I'm like, she's brilliant. What a business mind wasted on this <laughs> this cold profession. <laughs> and then um and then driving her home was all the you know, um just I, I have to get uh leave this guy because he's abusive and uh, my kids, as soon as I can get my kid back from social services, things will be okay. And like the saddest story that didn't seem like I wanted to make a move on that. And I remember she says, uh, we stopped at a 7-Eleven of all places and she bought some shitty flowers they had there. Flowers. Flowers. And I said, I remember when I dropped off at her house, I go, who are the flowers for? She goes, me. Every night after I work, I like to buy myself flowers because uh, you know, I deserve it. And I was like, that's really cool. And the next day, it's romantic. The next day, I drove to her place because now, how creepy this must look to her. I thought it was the sweetest thing ever that I showed up at her front door and I bought her flowers to be like, someone else should buy you flowers. That's really nice. We worked together maybe one or two more times. Did you say for twenty bucks? Can I just stick them in your? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. I know I'm only getting to your fingers, but I'll do it. Right. She um, and we worked together a few more times, and then I started comedy and I wasn't doing it quite as much because the weekends is when I want to go watch the pros come to the comedy club in Philly. And so I wasn't doing it, but once in a while I would, and I would pick up, and one day I just, I also found out this, if you go in like a phone book or, you know, online and look up those services, like escort services, if you call them and say you're a driver, like they might hire you that day. So they just need people. They don't care who it is. There's is no there a shortage of no vetting process? And uh, I got a, I called the place one time. I go, hey, you looking for drivers? He goes, yeah, you could start tonight. Come to my apartment and meet me there. And I go to this guy. He's a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And he's got a bunch of trophies, very little furniture. But and he's this, a winner. This is a, yeah. There's a couple years later after I started doing this. And this guy goes, uh, yeah, he goes, you're going to drive my cousin. She'll be here in a few minutes. She's the These are family businesses. I don't realize. Turns out. Yeah. She walk, uh, the girl walks out. It's that girl. It's Candace from the very first time. Two years later, maybe. Wow. And she, we went to the show with another girl who was beautiful. Candace has now had the life of a stripper for two years and looks emaciated, sickly, drugged out, and just not. She was so beautiful, and that business just tracked her down. That night, she offered to fuck. I said no. Pretty proud of myself. <laughs> 
But two years later, she offered to fuck stuff. you. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant at the party. Her new trick was for twenty bucks, I'll fuck, and you were in the sidelines going, "Nope, no, but I, this is where I draw the line. Nobody touches Candace." I remember feeling bad because the, the, when I went with her that time and another girl, the other girl was beautiful, and she was, and the guys were all into her. And now Candace, who was the hottest when she first started, now looks like she's stripping for drugs. And I just remember a girl that all these guys were paying the twenty dollars to to get as close to their pussy as they could with their mouth. It was now I was sitting overhearing guys going, she was all pale now and everything. And they were just like, her asshole looks all brown and weird. Like she they were just critiquing her. Right. And I, just, I was like, man, what a fall off. Wow. What a crazy world. So it is funny though, because of that happening so young too, how not in the prostitute or stripper game I've ever been. Like I've never found the fun of it because again, in my own insecurity, I always assume I'm what they're washing off at night. You know, like when they go home and have a hot cry shower, I always assume they're like, I'm one of the, yeah, they're not not gonna sit there going like, well, at least that one guy was awesome. (laughs) What is is the weirdest, funniest, most awkward thing that had happened? Of the, well, you know what's, I'll tell you, funny enough, is um, the same company, this is funny, the same company that uh, did the strippers and escorts, by day, same phone number, same everything, because it was called like something's entertainment, entertainment, whatever his name was. Right. Like Gary's Entertainment. Also, his yeah. name? It was like a person's yeah, yeah, name. Yeah. Gary's Entertainment. Gary's Entertainment. Yeah. They would send me out, they'd go, hey, would you also want to make more money by going to kids' birthdays parties? Kids' birthdays. As, uh, you know, dressed as Winnie the Pooh or the kids' characters. <laughs> and so I said, yes. Wait, this is the same same company. So you could either have Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Same phone number. Or crackhead Candace. Yes. Depending or on the party. Junkie Candace or Winnie the Pooh. But were you Winnie the Pooh? I, well, the Winnie the Pooh is about awkward stories. The they the guy, let's say, was like uh low business morals. The guy who owned this company, he did not really give a shit about anything. And he would send me out again, I was kind of last option. The people he had that didn't want to do it, I'd get those gigs. So they would send me into North Philadelphia, which is pretty bad area, rough, rough area, to do some. Uh, I remember being Elmo one time, and the, also the costumes were not a uh, film quality. Let's say they were like like um, <laughs> Times Square. Yes, very much like Times, like sh- shitty, carrying it in a trash bag, like burlap we, costumes. Yeah, Elmo. So you're Elmo. Tickle uh, me, Elmo. <laughs> um. But the the most awkward one was I went to a a party. It was at nine o'clock at night. They wanted me to be there. I got there. I find out when I walk in. Wait, it, nine p.m. Yeah, dressed as Elmo. It's Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. But I just have Winnie the Pooh in my. I understand, but if bag. you're dressed at Winnie the Pooh, if mm-hmm. anybody has desi- wanted Winnie the Pooh at a party, yeah, nine p.m. I, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. You are too. You have kids, yeah, yeah. that kid. Um. What party have you ever thrown where the kid would be entertained by Winnie the Pooh or Elmo that would happen like after 6 p.m.? Correct. The so, kind of party that that would happen at is a, a black thuggy house party where there was just two babies in high chairs. Um, <laughs> and I walked in. It was, I mean, people playing dice, the 40s, the, everyone smoking weed, and there's two babies in high chairs with Cheerios <laughs> in front of them. 
and I come in and I'm very nervous. I find out through the guy who, you know, and they walk in, he's like, he's like, what's up, motherfucker? And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for to be the Winnie the Pooh. And he's like, oh yeah. He goes, where's the balloons and presents? And I was like, excuse me? He goes, the balloons and presents. And what this guy, the owner of the company will do is he'll throw in, a, he'll say a bunch of bullshit. He just wants to sell the gig and figure right. you'll deal with it when you get there. Right. Balloons is, I've never heard of that. Bringing balloons and presents for a kid I don't know is odd. It's so, you're Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. It's also odd that you walked in without the costume, just the costume in the bag. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've thrown parties for my kids. The, the person, I don't see the person out of costume. Really? They walk to the door like that, really? Don't they usually get dressed in the car? Has anybody else in, in here thrown a party for a kid? Do you ever see We got my kid? daughter at Dora the Explorer once. You, and, you, and Dora came in without being an explorer? Have, I think she may have come in in the princess costume, actually. Yeah, they, they always, come, always come in with the costumes on. Yeah. They, it's like walking around Disneyland and going, I want to see Mickey. Hey, let me just put this head on. Yeah, he's got the head <laughs> off yes. smoking, a, smoking <laughs> me, a cigarette. So, okay, but the funny that you got Winnie in a sack. So, and the guy says, balloons and presents. I go, I was not aware of anything balloons. And he's pissed. He calls the guy. I guess the guy gives him some sort of price break enough to say like, all right, fine, go upstairs and change. So I go upstairs and um, I go in the room, I'm putting on this Winnie the Pooh costume. And uh, when I close the door, to, at one point the guy yelled, I closed the bedroom door and the guy yelled up at one point, he's like, hey, don't close that bedroom door. And I was like, you know, already did. And he, uh, he just starts cursing because something's broken with the door. They can't get it open. <laughs> so, <laughs> 30 minutes, and I'm not exaggerating, taking their, their final solution is we gotta knock the hinges off. <laughs> Wait, you're standing in a strange person's, are you wearing a Winnie costume, a poo? I'm holding the, oh, I said the, the door, it literally falls, it's like an old Philadelphia house, the door falls with smoke, and I'm, it's like, remember the movie The Right Stuff? I'm just like holding the Winnie the Pooh hot costume, like I said, like a like Yeah, an The astronaut. Right Stuff, at the end, during that Aerosmith song, they're holding, song, their, they're holding their, helmets. their helmets and walking in slow motion. You're in a, in a, in a crack house room mm -hmm. in a furry costume holding a bear head. Yeah. It's not like the right stuff. That's the wrong stuff. It's the wrong stuff for sure, but <laughs> it looks so regal waiting there. And, and regal. They were, yeah, I was very, trying to look very important with my costume <laughs> on. All right, Kenny, ready? Okay. All right. I got to tell you something that uh, sometimes when you buy things that have a brand name, it's not because it's better. You're actually paying for just a name. You know, you'll pay $5 for coffee when, because it comes from a certain brand, as opposed to probably a quarter for really good coffee, but it's not a brand name. And not that this is the same thing, but I think it is. You know, Raycon is, their products aren't the big brand name products, but I'm telling you, they're as good, if not better quality, as far as being able to listen to, you know, I listen to podcasts or when I'm working out, you can get the price point of Raycon is far outweighs the price point of competitive brands. And I'm getting as good, if not better quality. And uh, I'll tell you something, and it's not just me saying it, they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Over 50,000 five-star reviews. So people who are using it are liking it, not only liking it, 
but reviewing it and taking the time to tell you how good it is. And uh, there are uh, three customizable sound profiles. They got earbud tap functions. They have noise isolation, awareness mode. There's so much that goes into the Raycon brand. I just love it. So you should buy it. Uh, and how do I buy it? That's you asking me. Are you okay, Kenny? That's you asking uh, me how to buy it. Well, you buy Raycon at, uh, you go to buyraycon.com slash Howie Does Stuff today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Howie Does Stuff to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Howie Does Stuff. Okay, Kenny, back to the show. And I went downstairs. And, uh, you know, I had like, they gave me a CD of like, you know, kids' songs to play. And I was like, all right. And they're all, they're so frustrated with me. Who gave uh, you the CD? The people there? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I bring it. They always have me bring a CD. So I go, hey, can we put this? I'm just like kids' music to dance to and, you, dance. you know, do the hokey pokey. Well, I was, yes, I did. But I was like, uh, hey, can you guys put the CD in for the music? And he goes, just dance to what's on, motherfucker. So. <laughs> I danced for two kids in uh, in height chairs eating Cheerios to Dr. Dre's uh, Chronic 2001 album. <laughs> 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 Awkwardly. And then when it was over, I go to the guy. I was like, oh, and I'm trying to like, make Did a handy escape. Did you turn around? And... <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to have that. I thought we were having that moment. And I was like, hey, man. I was like, the kids are adorable. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Sorry for the confusion. I go, I go, I'm going to go upstairs and change and get out of here. And he goes, nah, you ain't going back upstairs. Get out of here now. And I th I knew he was serious, but I just treated it like he was kidding. I was like, ha, crazy, right? If I just left like this. So I was like, but I'm just going to head upstairs and take care of this. And he was like, no. And he shoved me out the door like hard and then uh, told two guys on the stoop to like make sure I get to my car, but like aggressively. Wow. And then I just ran to my mom's Chevette stick shift chevette and drove it home in a winnie the pooh costume with the head off the gloves looking on regal yeah looking very regal <laughs> that's horrible but funny hysterical <laughs> hilarious yeah but yeah. just the fact that you would like play the 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 music and you were okay with just that like i don't know how to i just dance. wanted it to be over <laughs> oh yeah no it, i wasn't doing uh any kind of hip-hop dancing i was i was dancing like it was the hokey pokey it was just a lot of more n words. You almost, you almost more n words than the hokey pokey, <laughs> right? But I just saw you. You just started to. Is that what? Is that? Oh what yeah, you, that's just a basic thing. Just kick and whatever. But I got. We can the, play the hokey pokey. And the first time, the first time I ever did that job was as Elmo. Again, this was a daytime party, but it was so many kids, mm -hmm. and they were uh, being like, you know, they were being shitty and kicking and tugging at everything. But man, it was almost like in the right timing, this little girl, this adorable little girl just goes, she had the braids in her hair, and she was like, I love you, Elmo, and like hugged my leg. And I was really like, oh. Your leg? She, yeah, she hugged like my leg, okay. and I was like, oh. And I was like, this is kind of like great. It was my first one, so I'm like, this is kind of great. This is worth it. And then uh, another kid, just like a 13-year-old, just goes, that ain't the real Elmo. And she was like, yes, it is. And he goes, why is he wearing Nikes? Which, to his defense... There was no feet for the outfit, so I was wearing Nikes. <laughs> and she goes, oh, why is he wearing Nike?" And then uh, she was like, you know, shut up or whatever. And I'm almost looking at this kid going like, come on, kid, like chill out. And he starts staring into the grill 
of this, you know, where Mike, I could see through the mouth. He's like oh, staring. Oh, I thought at you were wearing a grip. No, like, no, the, uh, the, on your teeth. It was like a thing you could see through. It was like mesh. That, yeah. And he's staring at there. And I was almost going like, I'm like, come on, kid. Like, chill out. And he goes, and then he, he takes the sleeve of the, sh of the outfit and pushes it up and screams, Elmo's white. And then the girl started crying, and the mother asked me if I can get changed and leave. <laughs> you sound like really festive, kind of. You know what's weird? That you told us the story of the stripper mm -hmm. who uh, just whose life got ravaged over sure. two years. And I'm finding the birthday party story sadder. They are. I said they were. It's funny for that job. It's when you said, what's the most awkward? Like, I think somehow the most dangerous and most awkward of those stories always happen with the kids' parties. The stripper thing, for the most part, did it ever get violent with what? the stripper thing? I've definitely like been like, yeah, come on, girls, let's like go. Like these guys are getting like weird, starting to say a lot of like weird shit. Did it ever get um, physical? No, no, I've never had to get in like a fight with anybody or anything. But I mean, I've been threatened before and stuff for sure. And you weren't scared? Yeah, I was. That's why I did it. Like it, it uh, I probably remember, you know, fifteen of the seventeen times I may have done it all around. It wasn't like that many times. Oh, I it wasn't years. It was over the course of years, but I would do it for like five weekends in a row or something. Then you'd be like, "Does this, yeah, this company like still exist?" Oh, I doubt it. Because I wish you call now and try to apply for a job <laughs> as a driver. I would actually call now if I knew what it. If you was. call any escort company, you'd see on the thing you could probably get. Although I shouldn't say that because this is again all early, early internet. Uh, you know, with printer paper that still had like ripped the sides off. So now I think. It's all like through online. I don't think there's any like, I don't think that guy exists much anymore. It's your friend's father. I think, yeah. well, no, it was my friend's girlfriend's father. His girlfriend's father? Yeah. Was his girlfriend Candace? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then how did you meet, did you get, you're not married, you're divorced. Yeah. Yeah. How did you meet your wife? Oh, it's every comic story. She's a waitress oh. at a comedy club. <laughs> really? Yeah. And oh, my long, and my girlfriend I've had now for 10 years was a, manager at a comedy club also so you really don't go outside of the, your yeah. little circle and it's so funny how much i just give the arbitrary advice i'm like guys you know younger comics like don't fuck other comics don't don't shit where you eat with the staff don't fuck the staff and, and that's right. what you're doing yeah it's all i've done right <laughs> i i think i know you so you're divorced yeah yeah i th you know when i saw you on that uh ari show ari show what was it called uh, this not happening yeah that's a true story about the, is that why you were divorced because she caught you cheating no, it wasn't even, we got married after that story, actually. Wait, you got married after that story? For those that don't know and haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's really funny. And you yeah, tell I got like, caught you, cheating bad. Well, there's no getting che got cheating good. That's true, but it real bad. <laughs> I was so mischievous in my younger years because I- Mischievous? Yeah. Shenanigans. Pure shenanigans. Like the words you're Some using. Some balderdash. <laughs> <laughs> you were fucking uh, some- yeah, well, my girl, yeah, I was doing things on the side. But I also, me and my ex got together pretty young. I was 22. Mm -hmm. She was 23. Right. 9-11 happened. So oh. I rush moved up to New York from Philly because I was driving up every day. And that just kind of became like it was so hard with the after 9-11 with the traffic. So we, I moved up. Your in, biggest problem with 9-11 is the traffic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any money in banks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the, the process of getting to New York to do comedy was impossible. Like it just took hours and hours. So I moved up kind of in haste with her 
And uh, it was great. I mean, we were very in love at the time. And she got pregnant two months into living together. And so we were very young when that happened. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I was just getting, and I hadn't experienced yet. This is a person who didn't have like a high school of like getting all the chicks and any of that thing like that. Right. It, and you didn't ever touch Candace. And I never, and I never touched Candace, even when the opportunity arose. But uh, she, um, when I was on the road, I just acted like it was two separate lives. You know what well, I mean? so, like, it wasn't so separate because she found out. She so, found but out bad, but yeah. when she found out, that's a great story. But mm-hmm. you know about you put her number into the phone, the, the the side girl's number into the phone. She found that number, and when you were sleeping, she ended up three hour conversation while I was sleeping. So they got together. Are they still, are they still friends? No, no, no. <laughs> they didn't stay together at all. They didn't say friends at all. But what a. But you, I, th- that, what I find fascinating is after they met, after you got caught, she still married you. We had such a young kid. We were both kind of didn't really know what to do. Do you know what I mean? Like we probably should have separated years and years before. But also being broke, I was very happy that we didn't break up because I don't know if I could have been in present as present in my daughter's life uh, if we had broken up earlier. How old's your daughter now? Twenty. Oh shit! Yeah, that was a while ago. Oh did, yeah. Did you ever perform at her birthday parties? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your daughter do? She's like an artist stuff. She's trying to figure it out. She's gonna. Uh, she went to a year of college. Didn't really love it. I don't like so college. She's sort of figuring it out. I didn't. That's smart. I, I didn't go either. to college either. Well, it's funny. Her mother though was an academic more, so like she really wants her to go to college and old school. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she wants. To if she to- wants to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, then go to college. Oh, I told my daughter. I thanked her. I'm like, thank you for saying you don't want to go, rather than just have me arbitrarily paying for it. Right. Because that's what would happen. So, but you so you've been with this girl for ten years. Yeah. And do you live together? Yeah. And yeah, New York. It was actually I but uh I spoke to my mom yesterday and said uh I was coming here and she reminded me uh I was in my my Howie Mandel excitement coming in today was to St. Elsewhere. Wow. Watched the whole thing uh growing up. Not enough YouTube videos uh making controversy about the ending of St. Elsewhere. I really for those that don't know, St. Elsewhere was a, uh, a a drama on NBC 40 years ago. Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. and uh, Stephen First. Yeah. Who was from Animal House. And Tim Robbins did his first, I think, uh, Ray Liotta and Tim Robbins and Kathy Bates all did their first uh, acting jobs out of school. Really? On that, yeah. I remember, so I have great. pictures of me and Ray Liotta. There it is. There's a staff right there. There's a picture, cast picture. Oh wow! Right there. Um, but I remember the ending. How was, old are it you? was all. It was 45. It, it was, was all in a boy's head. It was uh, autistic boy's head. It was in the snow globe. Yeah, yeah. Does that bother you? It was such a weird. You realize that it, it was all just a TV show, so it shouldn't bother you that they wrote that it was all in somebody's. Uh, my whole head. life's been funneling down to this moment to have this talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just the intricacies of relationships and stories going on would just not be in a child's head i don't think uh, um well you don't know you don't know what's in a child's head it's true you, you talk about intricacies you, you met a child who was you know fascinated by the fact that elmo didn't exist mm-hmm. and there was a white man inside of him that's so true th- but that's i've never intricate. i've never been like a i never took my gi joes downstairs and played hospital and personal relationship games it was always like wrestling or war or something i used to love to wrestle with my grandmother 
With your grandmother? Did you ever wrestle a grandmother? Mm-mm. No, they were so Jewish. You raised Jewish? Not religious, but yeah, with my Jewish family for sure. Because I'm noticing you got a lot of tattoos. You're not going to be able to be buried with your family. I think they've changed that. I think someone told me they've changed that now, that you can be buried with tattoos. Really? If you're Jewish, yeah. Oh, thank God. But, you know, cremate me what, anyway. What was your first tattoo? I got my name really small. It's covered now. But in a old English letters. A font. This big, yeah. Yeah. About that big when I was 15, almost 16. And Your whole name or just a first Just J, name? just J-A-Y. J-A-Y in small old English letters on the back of your shoulder. Tiny, well, right on the side of it. It well, was ridiculous. But why? I, like, what is going through your mind? They said when we when I moved to so in Philadelphia, whenever somebody, whenever you get a couple of dollars enough to buy something, they leave Philly immediately and go to South Jersey. Okay, which is what we did. My mom went back to college when I was ten, mm -hmm. and my stepfather went to college like a year after that, and they both became respiratory therapists, working in a hospital. And about a year, a couple of years into that, we moved to South Jersey and switched schools and it's a very different culture and environment in South right. Jersey. And uh, and it was because no parents were home because everyone had two parents that had to work right. in the nicer area. So these right. kids were much more wild and a bunch of young kids had tattoos there. Right. And I was like, how are they doing? And they go, oh, Jersey Devil tattoo, which still exists. They go, they don't care. Just write a note yourself and say it's from your parents and they just do it. And uh, I went in there and did that. And I go, put it high, make it small. My mom will never see it. Jay. And uh, yeah, Jay. I got it done. I was so happy. I came home and the second day I had it, not even, like the, like the end of the first day, I played basketball with friends and came home. I was wearing a sleeveless shirt, like a hoodie over, a zip up hoodie over it. And I remember talking to my mom as I was walking up the stairs and I unzipped the hoodie. And I was like, I'm gonna go take a shower and whatever. And as I just started to take it off. I just put it back on. <laughs> Because I realized what I was doing. Right. And she's like, well, what's that? And my stepfather was trying to cover for me. just kept saying it was fake. And she made me come over. And with her nail on a braided tattoo, started, she goes, is that fake? And started scratching at it. Oh. And I had to tell her that it was real. And I got in tons. I really, like, I wasn't allowed to drive for, like, a year. Like, I got in a lot of trouble for it. But I accepted all that trouble because... The other thing she said was, I'm gonna go down to that tattoo parlor and have them shut down. And I go, please don't make me the new kid in school whose mom came and shut down the fun. <laughs> like, let another parent do that, please. <laughs> hey, the new fat kid's mom ruined everyone's tattoos. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, and then, so you had the J, mm. you're 15 years old. Yeah. When is the next time you get a tattoo? Almost 18, I was almost 18. Three years later, but you weren't even 18 yet. No, I think almost 18. And was the, the is that when you, like, why would you cover Jay? Why would you cover your own name? It's not like a- Because it's so ridiculous. My big arm, it's just this tiny little thing up here. It looked like typewriter size, <laughs> right? It was bad. So, so I've covered most of it. But I spent, I've covered a lot of my stuff. When I first started doing comedy and traveling around it all, I thought everyone was, like, every tattoo would be a great story from this place I went to. So I said, I'll never turn down a free tattoo. If someone's right. like, I'll tattoo, I'm a tattoo artist, I'll do so I got so many shitty ones. And that's what I'm running into with my daughter. My daughter, as soon as she turned 18, getting tattoos, a couple right. tattoos. She's got some bad ones. In your opinion? Nope, they're bad. A couple of them are bad, just not good artwork. And I've told I've tried, I think I got through to her to be like, hey, stop doing this because I did this already. 
and I'm telling you that my 30s and 40s is covering shitty tattoos that I got. What's the weirdest, worst one that you got? The worst one I ever had, which I still have because it's so funny. Uh, I, if you see on this arm, I have like a, it's a, it looks like a hole. It's a cover-up. I got for $15 when I was maybe 18, I wanted something I got off the wall. It was a teardrop peace sign, which doesn't make any sense at all. Teardrop peace sign. And then when I went back, when I was 18 or 19, I asked that guy, so still Jersey Devil tattoo, by the way. This guy goes, I have an idea for like an arm piece. And it's a, he turned the peace sign into like basically a black hole. And it looks like these like souls are coming out of it. Well, that's nice. Pretty cool. What I had him leave room for and work around was three Chinese characters. And <laughs> I got those three Chinese characters. I was dating my girlfriend for a couple years in my teens. Her, I was older than her. Her parents didn't like me at all, which now as a father, I get. But uh, at the time, you know, I was very like, I'm good to this girl. Like, these parents shouldn't hate me or not like me at all. And I thought it was a cool move. I got in Chinese characters, uh, C-M-S. And I said, uh, and that's, my girlfriend was, uh, to the best of my knowledge, her name is Cheryl, Sherilyn Marie Sleater. That was her name. Was she Chinese? Uh, no. no. Uh, Sh Sherilyn Marie Sleater. And uh, so I got CMS, which also, by the way, I don't believe is a real thing. That was an old tattoo thing. They would show you an alphabet. Right. And then put characters above it, which I don't think it works like that. There's not really letters so much in that kind of in, in Chinese writing. They all mean like a word, sort of. Right. And I didn't know. So I get CMS in Chinese characters you on my think. arm. I think so it doesn't even matter what it is because the best part was this girl came from quite the family and she herself was a little uh she wasn't the brightest bulb uh even for her age because when I went back and I got that tattoo we went to her mom's house you know I was like hey hey Mrs. Sleater I just got this tattoo I go, it's your daughter's initial you know almost like like I'm showing her like for life you know yeah I go she goes, what is that? I said, CMS, it's her initials. She goes, CMS, what is that? I go, Sherilyn Marie Sleater. Her mom goes, your middle name's not Marie. She goes, your name is Cheryl Lynn Sleater. So I've always kept it because it's, not only is it not her initials at all, if it was, it's the wrong initials. Wait. Because my girlfriend didn't know her own middle name. And at that moment, she finds out, where did she get Marie from? <laughs> Just conjured it up. I mean, she was as baffled as, as as someone who never met her before. She's like, "It is? Oh, I always thought it was Marie." And today, and today, that, that is Candace. And today, that woman became Candace. Yeah. What did she do for a living? This was a, ki a kid. Yeah, we were young. Yeah. yeah, I think she ended up just. I think the guy she left me for, she just had kids with, and yeah, did whatever. Yeah, yeah. South and Jersey, typical South Jersey. South Jersey, Jersey Shore. That's my only reference to the South Jersey people. Well, South Jersey, where I'm from, is, is it's right outside of Philly, so it's essentially Philadelphia. When you get down to the shores, kind of a different culture, I'd say. Do you ever play Atlantic City? Yeah, I did it one time, like the Revel Casino. Then it closed down immediately because of your show. Because of that show, we were really excited to have you here today. A lot of the the guys that work on the show are fans of yours. Oh, hell yeah. And they said they had questions. Does somebody have a question, Jeremy, or your brother, or somebody had a question for him? Or? While, while they're coming up with a question, can I say another? I, I hate doing it.
doing this, I'm sure you don't love it either, but the things of just being a fan of of yours over the years, that I don't know if it brings up, uh, Let It Ride was another movie I watched a ton. Let It Ride? Wasn't that the, you guys with the horse, with the... Richard Mulligan, are you not? Oh, A Fine Mess. A Fine Mess, A Fine Mess. A yeah, Fine yeah. Mess, which is a, a Blake Edwards movie yeah, yeah, with yeah. me and Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let It Ride, I thought, oh my God. I, I, I don't know why I'm thinking that because of the horse race in that. There was a horse race and in they, that. Uh, and I don't as, think that's a great movie. But as a kid, the steroids dildo up the ass of the horse. Right. Well, it, it was a big kid's movie. They showed it at <laughs> birthday parties. The ones that, that happened after 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, Elmo and they're dancing the 50 cent. <laughs> Yeah, I've been around for a long time, 45 years. But you're you're a real funny guy. You really are. Are you in uh, How long have you been doing stand up? 25 years almost. Yeah, you are like a seasoned professional, but I think you're just coming into your own maybe in the last 5 years, 6 yeah. years I, I started I think that's fair. Yeah, seeing yeah. Seeing you on uh specials and seeing you on TV and seeing uh I'm kind of old school. It's a it? tough, you know, when I started I uh, like a uh, I started doing comedy for like the most genuine of like, I was a huge fan of comedy. And I could name all the guys from like the 80s, even probably the late 70s of just like watching. I watched, consumed all of it that I could, uh, was such a fan of it. So when I did it, I never knew the, I thought everyone who did it was famous. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have been as excited to see like Andrew Dice Clay as I would have been to see Bruce Baum. Right. You know what I mean? I would be just, just But you know, in those days, <laughs> uh, that's what I was talking to the guys beforehand. In those days, you got on TV once or you did a little, like everybody knew mm -hmm. they were, it, for lack of a better term, they were stars. I, I met those people because I saw them on TV yeah, and that's yeah. how I knew who they were. Here, you know, and I'm saying you're about to blast off. You're playing arenas with Burt Kreischer. You're you're touring all the time. You've got a very successful podcast. You've got a festival. That's so much bigger than anybody that you're mentioning right now at the, in those days. No, it, for sure. But so I'm saying it. But it's, it's so I lived a long time in like small level like comic. Like the comics knew me and respected me. And it says, but Louis put me on that show several right. times as an unknown. Uh, Schumer did that for me also for her show. So like uh, I have gotten like the help for sure, but it was a, it was quite a journey. And I also have a my gauge is also interesting because you're always going to kind of to your left and your right. What what's happening there? Who's getting ahead? Who's falling behind? And my two best friends when I started that we just clicked right away were uh, Kevin Hart and uh, Kurt Metzger. Wow, another like, brilliant guy. And so we started out together, and I just, you know, Kevin popped so fast. Right. And we all, like, again, again it's such a, a personality thing, too. Like, Kev wasn't, a, two weeks in the comedy, if you'd have been like, all right, you want to go open for somebody at Madison Square Garden? He'd just been like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Like, I'll do it and figure it out. And we, me and Kurt, were much more in, like, the... I think there's like a whole process to this you have to go through. And then Kev would be like, I'm at Montreal. I got a Judd Apatow thing. I'm moving to LA. But the difference between somebody like Kevin and you is he's kind of mainstream. Oh, you know? yeah, 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 for sure. Definitely mainstream. You know, kind of like me. You know, that's what I've chosen to sure. do. And to, you know, I'm on AGT. My taste is not mainstream. Sure. But I don't yeah. mind working for the man. And, and what's well, so I've always a, loved that. And I appreciate it. Nate Bargatze is one of my closest friends. And I mean, squeaky clean, brilliant comic. You know, like, right. 
So it's not even like, uh, it's just what I was drawn to ultimately. I just know when I loved comedy, just as a fan of it, my stepfather showed me Dice, uh, Dice Man Cometh, the TLA in yeah. Philly. Yeah. And then Dice Rules came out and it was just like, that was the first time I was like, this looks awesome to do. And also like, I can kind of just blindly do that. I'm like, I can go to school and just curse more. That's easy enough. But but the truth of the matter is that now it's 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 becoming louder because people like me would be canceled or lose whatever we have. And there's this great uh, insurgence of underground, and maybe that's the wrong term, of real comedy. Comedy should come from darkness and sure, it should sure. be politically incorrect. That's the that's never too soon. That's what comedy comes from. And you guys are bucking the system by putting your shows. You don't need a fucking network. I'll just put it up on YouTube. Yeah. Or your buddy Gomez will say, you know what? I'm not even going to put it on YouTube. I'm going to create my own network and my own platform. So nobody has the opportunity. If you don't like yeah. it, don't click on it. Yeah, if you yeah. like it, click on it. And then I end up with these guys that all work here going, you're the most exciting person that they've been excited about in in oh, in wow. months Hell and yeah. they, they were so excited did you have a did you have a question for him jer your brother yeah i just he, wanted to know i was losing my mind when i heard it but what was it like with the soder doing Chappelle voice for the Fox? okay for those oh. that don't know yeah. i know i know what this is so you're on your podcast um <laughs> somehow you got a a fox uh journalist yeah. from fox news from the, yeah. yeah who thought that it was she, the most it was the most perfect, like laid out. It's like someone just giving you all premise, the most perfect premise, and they're like, just knock this one down <laughs> because everything was circumstantial. How did it come to be? Fox News, a lady from Fox News reached out to me, Lewis, and Lewis, uh, Jay Gomez, separately, uh, asking us if we'd want to take part in a documentary series. They're doing an episode about stand up comedy produced by Tucker Carlson. I'm not political at all. I don't really give a shit or know a lot of these names. I know who Tucker Carlson is, but I don't know even what side of the fence he's on, really. And uh, But it's Fox News, so I guess I sort of know. And I hit up my team, and I was like, hey, I got offered to do this thing. That kind of be cool. And I always argue. I go, look, even if it's like I don't agree with politically as being said, like I trust myself that I'll be able to like say the right thing that I believe in. And they were just like, it's too divisive. It's not worth it. Lewis just did it. Lewis said, yeah, I'll do it. And he talk to her and while he's dave smith the third uh, our other partner on legion of skanks is very political he's a libertarian and he has his own podcast about that our show is not really about that but uh, lewis kept telling her when he was being interviewed he kept going hey, you should talk to dave smith too he's like great he's great for this kind of stuff and you should talk to dave smith she goes yeah okay <laughs> and uh a few like a couple days later what Lewis sees is, uh, hey, can I get Dave's number, or do you have Dave's number? And Lewis writes back, uh, sure, or it gives the number. Dave Smith then gets a text saying, uh, it's fawning over him, saying, like, you're such a great voice in comedy, you're amazing, I'm such a huge fan, I'd love to talk to you for this documentary. And this, it's, it's, He didn't write back right away, just circumstantially again. And then she writes about an hour later, also she goes, by the way, you were amazing on SNL this week. So it was the time <laughs> when Dave Chappelle was on SNL. Right. And she believed, now, now we realize that she believes she's talking to Dave Chappelle. 
they bring that story just with that information to the show, and we're live on our podcast uh, with a room full of people, and we're uh, set up some of the audio for that. I want to hear it. It's great. Yeah. So uh, we're in the room, and they're telling me the story, and everything, and then we start thinking about it. We go, wait, it's so funny. She so what we have here is she believes she's talking to Dave Chappelle. Dave hasn't poo pooed this yet at all. So and we're like, what should we do? We're like, who could we know can do a good impression of Chappelle? Soder is super talented at that. So Dan Soder, uh, we ultimately get a hold of him, and he says he'll do it. And then first we're like, why? We start why would she think that she's talking to Dave Chappelle? Like, why is it? And Lewis just goes, you know what? You know, he smokes a lot of pot. He goes, let me check and see. If this isn't my fault in some way. And he goes back through his messages with her, and he says, uh, what she wrote. Right before uh, she said, do you happen to have Dave's number, was she sent the article to him. He didn't even look at that. The article of Dave Chappelle facing backlash, writers are gonna, the writers are going to boycott the episode SNL. And so she was like, oh, this is kind of on topic. I'd like to talk to Dave about this. But she's just saying Dave. Right. I don't know why she thought Lewis would have his number. But Dave, Lewis just saw, can I have Dave's number, and sent Dave Smith's number. Right. Then... He's remembering back and starts reading down further. She then says, that's amazing. Oh, my God, thank you so much. Can I say that I know you or I got the number from you or should I just say that, uh, you know, or should I just say, like, I got your number somehow? And because he thinks he's talking about Dave Smith, Lewis goes, of course drop my name. He's the closest thing I have in this world to a brother. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she's operating on. And then we had Soder call her on three way while we listened on mute and like uh, let's hear. He never stops bringing up how what? important Lewis is. <laughs> he just always keeps talking. Always keeps going back to Lewis. It's let great. me let me hear. When did this air? Uh two months ago, maybe three months it, ago. It, did it go viral at all? Yeah, it did pretty good. Yeah, and I think they're going to put all of this in that documentary. This was a bummer. wait, 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 wait. She didn't know that she never no, no. realized she did. So Lewis, because she was so nice, he said he told her the next day, and this was like I thought interesting. Because again, not being political at all, I know though, like, quote unquote, you'd be like, the nice people are liberal, you know, the people that right. want th good things for people, and the conservative and Fox News, like the bad, mean people. That lady, I mean, we got her good. Right. The next day, she reposted the bit. She goes, ah, they got me. Ah, you know what? Ah, I was trying my best. I thought it'd be funny, you know, and then I dealt with it. But she just took it well, and then they were like, I think if it's okay with you guys, we're going to use some of the footage of you guys like getting me. On that's that. fantastic. Like, that's crazy. I'm like, and this is you did this on the Legion of Skanks podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Legion of uh, Skanks podcast. You can is that live? Do you do it live? We do one live and one pre-record a week. Yeah. On on what network? Gas Digital Network. The Gas Digital Network. Okay, so listen just for a minute to hear. So this lady has no idea who she's talking to. She thinks it's Chappelle. Yeah. And this is Dan Soder talking to her. Go ahead. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> it's insane. I'm telling you right now, it's almost like he's sick in the head, but he's a good man. Again, Louis the Peach. Yeah, no, no, I love him. And he, um, you know, obviously said the same about you when I mentioned. And I know, Dave, I mean, obviously you get a thousand he million about him and he won't let her. the guy in comedy. Um, and your oh, SNL oh. monologue, by the way, was, I mean, 
the fact that obviously you're genius at your comedy, but the fact that you have the courage. I don't even honestly, uh, honestly, I just the second Lewis reached out, I said I have to talk to him. I have to talk to anybody. So she keeps, Lewis, he keeps bringing up Lewis. Never stop. He says he has a dangerous foot fetish. Oh yeah, we also find out through this that she's definitely attracted to Lewis. Oh really? Oh boy. <laughs> that's and that's a great impression. Oh yeah. No, Dan's phenomenal at that. He does that a couple, is fantastic. He does a couple great. So, uh, and you do your podcast, is that in front of a live audience? Yeah, it's at the Stan Comedy Club in Manhattan. Yeah, we wow. do it there every Monday. Every Monday. And do you do it at night or during the day? Yep, night, 8 o'clock. Is that fun? 8-ish. Oh, That's it's like so a show. Fun. It really is fun. It's like, and again, also because my lack of time or ability from schedule to do like sets in the city very much. Right. It's, it's I, I have to go to this comedy club every Monday. And then when I'm there, I'll go on downstairs. You know, it's like, so it keeps me kind of current again that's an important thing knowing who some of the young people are you know what i mean like I, I realize i don't know when the transition came from being like a new guy yourself trying to break in to right. being like a veteran that yeah. like uh i think it's like well now i'm an icon yeah now you're an icon yeah, i'm no longer a veteran i'm just an icon i'm a national treasure <laughs> but i'm fascinated by all the new guys and i still it's kind of weird i think of you as a new guy but from uh, from sure. my point of view, you are no, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, just the stuff you're doing, just the, your uh, legion of skanks, and your stand up, and your storytelling, and your just who you are. I mean, it's it's really working. Are you enjoying oh, playing you. uh, arenas? You're playing like big venues with uh, Bert Kreischer. It's very fun to do. Mark those. Norman. You know, Burke keeps giving me a, a sweet compliment that I love, but I think is neat because. it's organically the way I do it. But I've ever since I watched Patrice O'Neill start sitting, I watched him go from standing to sitting on stage. And what I thought was brilliant about that was, me and Patrice both are like big presences as far as like so, just size. Right. And are both self-aware that we're doing like harsh comedy. I'm not like oblivious. I never have the like, why would you be upset? I, might, I usually have a more of like, why would you even listen to this than a why would you be upset by it? Right. And like, so... um you know, to watch the, fuck, I forgot what I was talking about. Lost my own train I think thought. it was uh, uh, Patrice. Candace. We can go Candace. back. We can start back there. Yeah, $20. No, you were, uh, what, what I was saying was, uh, you're like, uh, I asked you about playing the arenas. Oh, yeah, with, uh, with the sitting down. Right. It was uh, Patrice sitting down. Took away his, like, the looming presence of, like, he's, like, talking at you. And it's kind of, like, intimidating at first. So, like, sitting down kind of forces people to kind of come to you and listen and doing that in an arena is a cool feeling but also uh, patrice and you i don't know you i don't know you that well but you seem like good people so even if what you're saying can be it's harsh but it's funny it's funny it's and, politically it's always, and it's always the thing my my argument with uh, a lot of these things you know there's a guy who wrote the article that got shane essentially removed from snl right he's written several stuff about us calling us Nazis and all these crazy things. And I've tried to explain how how, how evil they think we are. It's like they're actually doing such a more evil thing in the sense of, I'm making a joke. And be it like, say it's like a racial joke. 
the intents for everyone to laugh always. I want everyone to laugh at this. And it's because you understand that that's racially, uh, that you understand, it's funny because it's wrong. Yes, it's, yes, it's ridiculous. And, and what you're saying is ridiculous. Right. It does. It's not a true statement or else it wouldn't be funny. Right. It's like you're saying something ridiculous. And when they call us Nazis and stuff, there's something to that where I go, you're actually like making a, harsh accusation on me saying something that's just stupid and calling a jew a nazi and that's wild yeah, yeah so it's like it is like I, i'm always and we had my grandmother calling one day before she passed to be like uh, i was like yell at this guy just yell into the ether at this guy for calling your baby boy a nazi not overthinking that when she got on the phone we have great drops of her which i love uh from this but like um, she was genuinely upset with the person for saying they like hit Obviously. her in some way, and she well, was that's yeah, her. Calling, yeah, she's like you're calling my grandson a not like. I didn't. I take it all more as like this guy's an idiot. He's just rambling nonsense, you know. But those kind of things, you know, kind of. I think that people who, that's the problem today. The problem today is that the reputation precedes you, precedes you. Sure. Yeah. So they don't even know what the joke is. They don't know what you said. They have no idea of, uh, it's a perception rather than the intent. Absolutely. You understand, you're a Jew. You understand when, and we as Jews have been persecuted all our life. Sure. We deal with anti-Semitism all our life. If you're gonna make a, a joke about something that is anti-Semitic or racist, it's kind of like pointing out, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen does, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there are people that watch that. I remember when uh, I tried to show it to my in-laws, they thought it was horrible. Like it's horrible and subversive. And, and I think I said, I think he's pointing out the inanity of well, all this. You know, it's funny. I said that, I think it's on my special coming out actually, where I say, uh, I go, I definitely do racial humor. I go, but it's to make everyone laugh. I would be confused if I did a racial joke and the crowd just like gave me a firm like head nod forward. I go, that would be, that would be the wrong reaction. That would blow me away, but that's not what people, they, they laugh because they come. But and then you what, understand, but it, it, and I don't know who, who wrote it, but you also understand that it's also scary because racism, anti-Semitism and all this is very, up front right now and yeah. people are really getting hurt mm -hmm. and i don't mean uh you know emotionally emotionally hurt i mean people are getting killed and beaten and it, you oh. know and for the average person that is dumb and i think the average person is dumb agreed yeah uh they kind of don't get the joke or don't get that and, and they becomes, somehow correlate the two right which is that's like you may i said the the you know, I've I've had probably a few jokes over the years that have the word rape in them. And I've always said the dumbest question I've ever been asked in my life is someone was like, you think rape is funny? You're like, yeah, I'm the guy. Like, <laughs> You found the one person in the world who thinks, I'm like, no, of course not. It's like, you have to look at, I, I've built a thing around this that you're, you know, you're focusing on such a, uh, a small part. People are listening for bullet point words. That teacher just had to go through all kinds of classes. You see all that story? No. A teacher wrote, uh, it was on the right side of history. I forget exactly what it was he was doing. Yeah, if you guys could look it up, but he- You know, what do we look he up? Had go, he had to go through a re Teacher gets fired for racial, you have probably find it with that. It, he did like a, I don't know if it was an essay question or something, but he, he was talking about the right side of history, but saying if people use the N word, 
Right. And he says something like that was like the N-word or some other racial thing. Teacher fired after telling class he's racist. Yeah, and they put him doing a, it's not even, it's not these ones, I don't think. It's not this. A lot of teachers are fired each and every day. Do, uh, do, do teacher re-education classes or something. I think that's what it is. But he, you know, and he was saying the right thing. And that's what you're saying about people being dumb. It's like they want to be treated like children. But they also will go, but they'll also, it's out of context. So context is everything, yeah. especially in comedy or writing or communication. But one word can bury you. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what context you're saying he was on the right side. I don't know what he says and I don't know what you're talking about. But hearing the word, like even if you used the R word, rape, even if you said, you know, I just want to say that rape is wrong. People might even in this conversation say, well, you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if on, you know, this is on YouTube. And the fact that I've mentioned that well, word, the way is that going to get it demonetized but, because they hear that word? But even while you hear it, you say it. But, it's, you know, to say it's like you're saying the word like rape is wrong. Um, like exactly, exactly. Like you're just talking about it at all. Or, or, or well, that's you, what I'm saying. I'm the, saying the, the sentence was you said, even if you say rape is wrong that cut out they'll go even if you say it like isn't it obviously you know what i mean they're finding the, the weirdest like connection context and people looking at you we were talking about uh agt before the show i told you i'm a huge fan of the show and i watch it i get panicky for com especially comics i know that go on the show do you i do because i know and there's been Great people I know have moved. I'm so happy for uh, Mikey. I've known Mikey Winfield forever. Preacher is a sweetheart, a great yeah. guy. Um, oh, it's great comp. But then I've seen people like uh, Sam Morell, who's having like a crazy career now. Was like Heidi didn't get it. Dan Natterman, I think she but got very a, upset when he said something yeah, about like yeah. the Holocaust or something. And right. And so it's like, but it's but, a mainstream show. But. I always say to the comics, see, I feel bad because of how they're going to feel. So that's more of empathy to go. And I, I had a long talk with Dan Natterman after, who I thought was brilliant on the show. And with his, uh, um, he, he came back and I think Simon made a comment, mm -hmm. you know, and then he came back at him and said, that you, you wouldn't know, know your, your, from your, your right. elbow from your ass. And he was pretty depressed. They, he, he said, where did, where did he go after that? I said, you just... That was a highlight. That made that set stand out yeah. more. And what you have to realize, and this is just goes for anybody that's doing, you know, stand up on television. It's not like the internet. There are millions of people watching at home. Yeah. And just because two people that are sitting in front of you aren't getting it, or even that whole room, sure, not getting it. This is exposure, and if you want exposure, okay. even if you want to go into the toilet, even if it goes into the toilet, you know, uh, one of my favorite comics is Bill Burr. One of the most outstanding viral moments, did you remember that, where he was dying? In I Philly. In, right, your, your hometown. Oh, yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, you have a statue of Rocky, but nothing for Joe Frazier because you're racist. And right, but he went. Was, he was just dying on stage, mm -hmm. and you would say, well, why, you don't want to do that. But he was so funny and so in the moment and yeah. so that that's probably one of the most viral comedy yeah. videos out there, which kind of put him on the map. Yeah, but that, without a doubt, yeah. So what I would say when comics go, I don't want to do AGT, you know, and, and I go, well, you know, 
it's not going to, it'll never set you back. It can only propel you forward. Sure. It can only propel you forward. And what I say- The Sklars did it last year, I think. Yeah, but, and, but it's just exposure to people that you wouldn't be exposed to. Just like I believe you should post everything, you should, you know, on every digital platform. <laughs> if you ever- I was I'm a huge Howard fan too, and that was always Howard's complaint. Like Howie with the, with the Instagram or the, the Instagram lives. Right, but, but you know, for me personally, I like to do that stuff because I believe that I'm engaging an audience. And I may find an audience on Instagram or sometimes on TikTok that hates what I do. And sure. I've, I've gotten backlash from that. But it's an audience. It's a room. It's like when you started in New York, you'd go from the cellar to the to, to, to yeah. the club, to club, to club. I go from AGT I, uh, to TikTok, to Instagram, to YouTube, to my podcast. I'm just in, and, and all through my personal career, you know, I've always had this real fractured audience. People who watched Bobby's World, people who watched St. Elsewhere, sure, people who yeah. watched me on HBO. They were all very different audiences. I like to get in front of an audience. I'm telling people they need to get in front of the audience. The truth of the matter is that people don't know what goes into comedy. I always say that's the hardest thing to do on on television, on our show. Stand up, yeah. Oh, because somebody shows up and they're singing somebody else's song. They don't need anything from the audience. They just need them to applaud at the end or tap their foot and while they're doing. how good were they? How, how were they just, were they a good voice and a good musician? Yeah, yeah. Totally or if you're fun. juggling, there's fire and you're hanging upside down, you're doing, as a comic, you come out as yourself, kind of bare and bare your soul to people. Is this Natterman? Is this the Natterman well, you know, thing? Play I mean, this. The most notorious to me because there's three documentaries this guy has made about a Joe Matarese, and it always, <laughs> the point zero of Joe Matarese is always, when he went on AGT, it was it was a Howard season too, but it was. The, I don't remember this, tell me. It was it, the last time that this was a thing which was very tough for comics. He went out on the live show. Right. And kill, his first set killed. They gave him the backstory. They bring the wife and the kids out. And the you know everyone's cheering for him in this packed theater. The next week was the nobody there except production and the four of you, right? And he went out there and he was presenting personality-driven jokes versus like quick, good written stuff. Right. He just made a bad choice on material and just just bombing in front of four people. And you guys were like, "What happened? This guy did good last week, you know." And like I know there's editing and stuff involved, but. At one point, he was like, "I think you guys aren't laughing on purpose." <laughs> oh wow! Which is a so I don't remember that. Thing. But the truth is, and I say this to every comic that comes on: first of all, the moment you step on that stage, you're on. You're on. You know, it's always hard when if you're, you're talking to the judges. Yeah, you're like, talking, yeah. but you're on. Assume that's your crowd work, buddy. Yeah, that's that's what that is, and don't show us another side. Just be the performer that you are from the moment you walk out on stage and don't concern yourself so much with the room. There are cameras there. You, there are millions more, regardless of how that room play to that. And even if I don't remember the Joe Matarese mm -hmm. um, incident, but maybe people, if it was good and it was personality driven and nobody in our room got it, maybe people at home loved it. Yeah. Okay, there's no he, way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like he crumbled. Like oh, in, because in, he in, crumbled. In, yeah, uh, to that situation, which is an awkward. Situation. You know, I get it for sure as a comic. Right, but and like, ultimately, it's choice. You know that. You know, it's the. But choice. But I've also done the. Yeah, I've done last comic standing. Right. Stuff like I would never do. 
something like it again necessarily now, but like when it was the time to do it and I was in a position where it would have been huge for me, I tried and I didn't move forward ever, so. But, but I always say to the people even on AGT, it, don't worry about winning the contest. Winning the contest is arbitrary. You know, that's just whoever at that sure. night, when they vote, the order that you win on that night, only one person can win. There's no such thing really as one act better. You know, it's apples and oranges. That's just the, the nature of the, of the mm. contest. To get on that show, you're a winner, and it should elevate you yeah. unless you make, maybe Joe Matarese did, unless you make a bad decision, it won't set you back, but it oh, won't no, elevate. Oh, no, I mean, Gina Brion is a friend of mine. Gina Brion went with me to my cellar audition a million years ago, and like she did moved on really far a couple years ago. Like She came on our show to talk. Our, on our show, I will say, we've the most person we've given the business to who won was the uh, the magician that you know everything's like? Which one? The, 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 he won. Is it Dustin something? But Who? the guy. Oh, it was the funniest because every every trick he did. Yeah, it was like you His know he tells you some story. Yeah, it's always oh, like oh sad story. Like, my my wife, my beautiful wife, and we adopt these kids. And it was always like, Howie, open up that envelope and like those random numbers you picked. Is that the same day that I adopted my son? And then, like you know, <laughs> oh, that's he funny. would like he would confetti shoot like the word hope out of the audience. Right? Like, Who's this jerk off? But but the truth is, as much as I agree with you, and I find that funny, decisions, the people that I can't tell you how many times I walk down the street, and and somebody will come up to me and they go, that was so that guy shouldn't have moved on, or mm -hmm. that or you know you know who should have won this guy, and every single time. Never fails. I'll go, well, did you vote? And they go, no. <laughs> and, and the people that vote, if you're smart enough to cater to that person who, oh, yeah. will, who will love their, their heartstrings tugged as much as possible, whereas you and me as a comedian might laugh and find it funny or hokey or just silly or over the top. Yeah. It's like politics. Of course. You know, that's they, what that that's game what they is. Hear. They're voting. They know the notes. They know the song, and it doesn't challenge them. And there's no, so they just kind of go with it. So that's why I say, for even the comic, when the comic shows up, the comic's got to be funny from the moment. They can't be, or they got to be incredibly earnest like that. Yeah, yeah. And go, you know, everybody I know died, and I think the only way out of this hole is this act that I'm going to do today. <laughs> well, there was someone who went on. I don't know if it was AGT or Last Comic Standing. I don't even remember his name. I haven't heard of him in years. But uh, I did know, and he went on one of them. And did, I, I don't like, this is a pet peeve of mine. He went on, and when it wasn't going good, he just started like shitting on the concept of the show. It's like, oh, so we come out here and do our talents and like these, these three people get to judge if our lives are gonna be, and it was like. Oh, that's just bitter. Well, because you go, but you agreed to do it. Like I've never been mad at the concept of Last Comic Stand. You know, I don't like now. I'm always like, it is a bad concept. But at the time, you're like, but it could be an opportunity. So let me. Go it's always an it. opportunity. It's how you I'm not mad at Last Comic. Like the the. I mean, I'm I, I'm, it, I'm I was bitter in the night of the situation. But the, the one of the time I did Last Comic Standing, they filmed a background piece on me. Never aired it because I didn't move on from the nighttime round. And someone who did move on from the nighttime round was a mother in her 50s or 60s, it was her second time on stage ever. Wow. And she moved on. So it's almost like the arms throw up of like, this isn't 
even like a real, you know what I mean? Like that's ridiculous. But so. it's also somebody's opinion. You know, you know, I talk about how it's a better I, TV show. And I but get it's it. not only that. I I blew up when I blew up in the eighties, and I played uh, two sold out shows. That I've told this story many times at Radio City Music Hall. I'm looking out. There's seven thousand people teaming out of the the theater. Seven thousand people coming. Fourteen thousand. The 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 traffic is jammed, and I'm thinking in the city of ten million people. You know, yeah. nine million nine hundred and ninety-three thousand people don't give a shit. I'm in town, <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't matter who doesn't like you right. in the moment. But I also I also tell comics who come on AGT, if it's not working, that's not the direction to go to shit on the the concept yeah. of the room. But you should, you could, and you would benefit by calling attention to that didn't go over. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing too. Is a lot of times. I think Taylor Williams did that, right? Ta uh, Rich, is it Taylor Williamson? That's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he got really far. He came out. He wasn't doing good, and then he said he was uncomfortable in front of Heidi, and then and that yeah, got him affair. all the way to the top ten. Yeah. Just the 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 relationship that he sprung up with Heidi more than his act. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, he, he was like into her. Right. They were into each other. Yeah, that's smart. It is smart. Yeah. There's also. Uh, a thing of being a veteran enough to like pivot the situation too. And it said it is all exposure because the reality is also there's plenty of comics on there who have done well that you're like, are you, are you ready for a residency though? And kind of thing, you know, like, are, are, you know, you're funny, yeah. but it's like, are you ready for a residency of, of material? Cause you can't pull, I like when the, an audience gets kind of the carpet pulled underneath them. Cause they don't, they think they're there for one thing and it's another, like uh, Tracy Morgan was always so fun. When I opened for Tracy at Caroline's. Right. Uh, a couple times over the years, that was always my favorite. Just seeing old black church women come to think they're going to see Starship Jones and whatever the characters from SNL, right? And then he's like, and then you fuck her in the butt and wipe her shit off your dick on their parents' curtains, and you see these ladies like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like fanning themselves. But you know that kind of happens with me. My my uh, sensibility is a lot rougher. I always say, don't bring the kids, and because of my biggest exposure is Deal or No Deal and AGT. People bring their kids, course, people yeah. bring that. And I said, if I'm playing in the clubs and I did 35 years before you even saw those shows in the clubs, that's a different, I love standup because there isn't editing. Yeah. It is not created. It's what's ever happening in the room. And I want to be loose and I want that to be my primal scream. Now I'm more afraid of it because somebody holds up a phone and takes something out of context. And then again, you can be canceled. Do you feel, do you have people that are like combing through your stuff to try to find the thing you think ever or no? Uh, not, not then, you know, that's not like what happened to Kevin when he got the Academy, you know, it maybe if there was some announcement, if I was going to run for office or something, they would do it. I don't know that there's something. any reason to find something on me, but you're a real interesting guy. Oh, thank you. And, uh, I think you're going to be around for a long time to come. Oh, yeah. This has been an honor. And I wish you, it's, really it's an honor for me that you would, uh, that you would come here and do this. Anyway, you've been great. Thanks Thank for so being much. here. Again, and it's an honor. It's so so cool to meet you. And it I, is cool to meet you too. I and hope hopefully, we get, to we get a chance to hang and uh, end it. Thanks, buddy. Great. That was fun. That was great. Let's get a picture together. Yeah, photo you guys. And then. Uh,